0: I know some of you are digging that groove and you're ready to come up here and just lay in this hammock the rest of the time and just hang out. And that's kind of the the image that we're talking about this summer is soulful conversations with God, that place in the summer where you're relaxing, not just to relax, though, but to actually connect with God in a special way. And so this morning, as we continue that conversation, we're talking about wisdom, about how do I ask for wisdom? How do I seek wisdom? And we all need wisdom at certain places in our life. And we have certain places where we're like, we feel like, man, we need it more than other places. And I remember when I was 19 years old, I was in a car accident and uh, I had this Mustang and it was like, my dad and I had renovated it and we had like put, I mean, we had glass packs on it. And for those of you who are too young to understand what glass packs are, glass packs are the, you know, so today kids put on Exhaust pipe things that make their cars sound like lawnmowers. Okay, back then we would put things on our cars that would make them sound like cars, only really mon- like, like men, you know, and not like girls. But so, so I had this. Sorry. So anyway, so we, so I had this, I had this car, and uh, all summer long I was, I, I was being a nineteen-year-old in a Mustang. So, the local sheriff um, often had tried to take opportunity to pull me over and fortunately for me and disturbingly for him uh he just had bad timing he would never actually catch me doing things. So I think he heard I live in a small town I'm sure he heard about this Mustang that would smoke the tires through town and do but every time he went to pull me over and followed me I noticed him and was going the right speed and so he'd pull me over and I'm like well are you giving me a ticket or something no but I'm watching you you got my, you know it's the Eyes on you, you know, and so, so okay. So, wind the clock forward now. It's it's towards the end of summer, and um, I'm driving down this old this country road where I lived. Came around a corner, and there's this dump truck crossways in the road, and it's one of those moments, you know, where the moment is really measured in nanoseconds, right? Like it's it's brief, but it feels like it's long, you know. And so, all of a sudden, you're realizing like. Oh, my, something bad is about to happen. I got, like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like, it is all gone here, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And so uh, the car was totaled, dirt, you know, over top of it, the whole, the whole ordeal. And who gets out of the dump truck? The local sheriff. I needed wisdom, right? I lacked wisdom and needed it in that moment. Now, here's the thing. That we've got all these moments in our life, and not all of them are measured in nanoseconds. But often, we don't take the time to stop and pray and to ask for wisdom. We don't even know what we're really asking for. And if we're not careful, because our culture moves so fast, we think every moment is a moment that is measured in nanoseconds, and we act like it, and we just keep moving through it, keep trying to make decisions. And we need wisdom. We need wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Now, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, wisdom is the ability to make good judgments, based on what you've learned from experience, typically bad experience. And so wisdom is this compilation of, like, how do I decide where to go based on where I've been? But it also says wisdom, or wisdom is the knowledge and understanding that gives you this ability, right? So if we were to look in wisdom literature found in the Old Testament, there's lots of books about wisdom, okay? And one of them is Proverbs. And in Proverbs nine ten it says, The fear of the Lord... Is the beginning of the wisdom. In other words, the respect for who God is and His overness over all of the universe, that's the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So understanding begins and ends with God. That's what wisdom literature would teach. The book of James, which is a letter that was written in the New Testament, okay, to, to Christians, not just to Jewish people, but to Christians, is called a book of wisdom. And in that book, James in James 1, five, says, if you lack wisdom... Ask because God wants to supply it. God wants to give it to you generously, but you have to ask. Now, in the Old Testament, because back then, you know, so if you're a kid growing up in the Old Testament, three or four thousand, five thousand, six thousand years ago, there's no, gee, I don't know what to do about this. Siri, what do I, right? Like, you can't do that. It's just, it's not. It's not available to you. You don't have Siri. You don't have Twitter. You don't have Instagram. You don't have Facebook. You can't ask for people's opinions. So you grow up memorizing wisdom literature. It would be something that you would memorize because it were time-tested truths of wisdom, nuggets of wisdom that were going to help you and guide you through your life. But today... We have all these other, we can Google it, we can, we can put our opinion, hey, I've got a, I'm wondering about this. And in Facebook, you get thousands of people, right? All of their opinions. Don't we have lots of opinions? But the problem, of course, is you don't know which ones are time-tested and true, which ones are someone's opinion. You don't know what's actually good advice, what's mediocre advice, and what's just terrible advice, right? You don't know all of those things, And so, but when we look there, We don't know what to go to. And so God calls us back to the source of wisdom, the reason that we need to pray for wisdom. And and really when it comes down to it, um, there are these places in our life where we find wisdom, we find our need for wisdom, and it's usually in decisions we regret. Decisions that we made and we're like, oh, afterwards, like that was not a good decision. Like the time when I was about six years old and discovered the cigarette lighter in the car and it came out red, and I wonder, I said to myself, I wonder if that's hot. So I went ahead and put my finger on it to see if it was hot. That's a bad decision that you end up regretting, right? You're like, oh, I regret, up to this day, right? Like those decisions you go, I regret it, and I need wisdom. But there are plenty of those going on in our life, and there are plenty of situations that aren't even our own doing, that just life happens, and we're like, what do I do in this situation? Where do I go? What do I want? And so today we look at a prayer by the Apostle Paul, follower of Jesus, when he was praying for wisdom. He was saying, listen, if you want to know how to pray for wisdom, here's a prayer of wisdom that he was praying for a people call, that were, lived in Ephesus, called the Ephesians. And so he wrote them a letter, and he said, here's my prayer for you, for wisdom. And so today, if you'll open up, you'll look in your program guide, you'll find a little thing called the scoop. And inside, there's an outline And that'll help you fill in some blanks, follow along, and take some notes today with the scriptures there. So you can follow along as we look at Paul's prayer for wisdom and what we can learn there. So how do I pray for wisdom? I pray for wisdom first by asking for God to reveal his heart. This is Paul's first counsel to us. Listen, when you ask for wisdom, like you're looking for answers, but what you need to look for is God's heart. Because that's where it begins and that's where it ends, is God's heart out of his love for us. So whether I'm parenting and I'm like, I don't know what to do, or whether I'm an employee, like I don't know what to do about this project, or, what am I going to do in this situation at work, or I'm a student and I don't know where am I going what career am I going to choose, what am I going to do next? Like wherever we are in our life, you'll probably agree with this, that I rarely have the answers, like all the answers. Like and as a pastor, people come and they're like looking for advice, and I'm like, I don't have all the answers. I don't even have the answers I need more or less the ones you need, but God does. Now, you might think about someone like Paul. So a little background on Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, okay? So a lot of the New Testament, a lot of the books that we have that tell us what does it mean to follow Jesus, what's good thinking about who God is, he wrote them. So you might go, well, that's probably a pretty wise guy, but I probably can't relate to him because I'm not writing those kind of books, right? Like I'm still living my life and having plenty of mistakes to find wisdom. But what you might not know is that Paul had his own struggles too. That Paul was a person who struggled with something called a thorn in his flesh. There was this physical problem that he had that doesn't specify, but he prays for it to go away time and time again, and it doesn't. And he has to seek God in wisdom. He's like, God, I want this to be done with, but it's not going away, and it's impeding my ability to live life. Or you might not know that when Paul first came to Ephesus, so he's writing to the Ephesians. His first visit to the city, if you were to look in Acts chapter 19, and I would suggest go read that, you'll see it was not a pleasant visit. Like, there was actually a riot. The mayor was actually concerned about Rome coming down on the whole city because of what Paul did and said. Paul's a person who says, I, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. So, when he prays this prayer for the Ephesians, he's praying a prayer of wisdom for them. Like, I. I want this for you. and So we pick up his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 and this is what he says in verse 15. You can follow along right in your outline. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. So in other words, after my visit with you and after I left and after God did all this work in you, I've heard about all the things that God's doing in you. He says in verse 16, I have not stopped praying, giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Where does it come from? It comes from God. And he says, so I'm praying that God will actually give you his Holy Spirit, who's filled with wisdom and revelation, who will help you understand the person of Jesus, who will help you understand the source of wisdom. Why? Why? Why does he pray then? This is the interesting part. Like, is it because that way you know what you're going to do in life? Is that way because you can have all the answers that you need? Is that way so you can be prosperous in life? I pray that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. That's the point of wisdom. The first step of wisdom, the reason behind wisdom, is that you might know the ever-patient and ever-loving God in the person of Jesus. Now, when we ask for wisdom, typically, it's because we want answers. Like, man, I don't know what to do in my situation. I need answers. I need to know what to do. Just give me the list, God, so I can do the right thing. Yeah? I mean, isn't that what you pray? And so the problem with that is, is what we lack is not the answers. We lack perspective. We lack understanding of the wise in God's heart. And so, so I'm teaching my kids to drive right now, which is death-defying on a regular basis. And so one of them's done, and one of them is in the middle of it. He's getting better, but here's what I've learned through this process. If you offer wisdom before someone needs it, it doesn't work. There's no reason for it. And my kids can have all the skills of driving, but still scare you to death because they see something ahead and they don't know what to make of it. Right? They lack perspective. They've never been in that place where traffic is going 70 miles an hour, and then it's going zero miles an hour, right? Like, and, and they don't know how to make what's the perspective of the road ahead and what's going on. What they need is perspective. And so I have to wait for the right opportunity to offer them perspective. Now, if I just said to them, hey, here's the keys to the car. Good luck. I hope you do well in teaching yourself to drive. That would be one method of driving, okay? Like, it probably wouldn't result in a car that was worth driving. It might not result in his life being still alive, right? Anything could happen. It certainly would be a lot easier on me, at least until afterwards. But he would never understand the why. He would never get perspective. Why? Because i got to be in the car with him. So you got to spend time with him to get perspective and that's what we need from god we need perspective we need to discover god's heart the key is not just knowing it's knowing more about the heart of god and that we want all the answers but here's the thing the answers won't help you as much as knowing the heart of god if you know the heart of god you have a perspective that offers you a perspective on your life and helps you take the step that you need in the moment that you need it because you know the heart of God. How do you discover that? By asking questions, by being with God, by being in those places that you can learn from God. And this summer, maybe that's what if you're going to discover wisdom and those places where you could relax and you could just be by yourself. Like maybe those are opportunities for you to ask good questions, not to seek the answers. But seek the questions and say, God, help me to understand what your heart is in this situation. Help me to know, give me a good question to ask. Help me to spend time in the Scripture and put myself in environments and collaborate with you. And and in those places, help me to ask good questions. Now, why are questions more important than our answers? Because you you already know this. Your questions are what drive your life, not your answers. It's not your solutions. Someone wrote a book called um, Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. And in it, she gives this great illustration. She says, when you get up in the morning and you decide what you're going to wear, right? You, what is the first thing you do? You ask yourself questions. You don't just put anything on. You ask yourself questions. What, what's temperature going to be today? Where am I going? Am I going to a wedding or am I going for a walk? What, what's going to go on later in the day? Who am I meeting with? Do, am I meeting with someone that I can wear... These clothes that don't match, and I look like a clown. Or am I meeting someone who I ought to, like, actually dress nicer for? Like, who, who am I going to be with? Like, we ask ourselves questions. The point being that you already know this. You do it all the time in your life. Why would you not do it when you're looking for wisdom from God? The same things. God, here are my questions. Here's what's going on. Here's, what, here's the questions I have in my life. Will you come and be the source of wisdom in my life? Will you show me what is your heart in this situation? Instead of just asking, what what should I do? Maybe I should ask, who should I be? What kind of person are you asking me to be? Because that's the places where we collaborate with God. Is the Scripture hard for us to find those places? Sure, the Scripture could be hard for you to understand. But that's what Paul's praying, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would sit with you in those places and you can ask questions of him and he'll answer. Is it... Is it hard to get up on Sunday morning and come to church? Sure, but that's how we collaborate with God's spirit, to be inspired and to understand a little bit more, to to rub shoulders with other people. Is it hard to carve out time of our schedule to be in a small group? Sure, but those are the times where we actually experience the blessing of being with others. See, this is how we walk with God. Now, there are times where we ask questions and we get tired of them, and it's kind of exhausting which is why we don't like if you've ever have you been to the eye doctor you know those of you who don't have good vision and they do the this or this like you remember like and you're like please stop it like i don't know they look the same and it's such a painful process and they just i feel like they're torturing me by the end i'm like can we get to the prescription already because i'm tired of answering these questions This or this, this or this, is this better? And then they do like threes. They're like this, this, or this. And I'm like, ah, go back again. I can't remember which one's which. But at the end, what I end up with is being able to see. Because the process of asking questions got me to the right prescription. I could see. That's what God offers us the ability to be able to see, to have the right prescription for us, to have the right perspective that we need. God wants to give us that. And it happens often through our heart. Now, for some of you, you might be like, yeah, but there's just places in my life that I'm at and the environments that I'm in, like they aren't helping me answer those questions right now. I need a little more, I need a boost. Okay? I, I'm not getting them answered on enough on Sunday morning. or I just feel a little stuck in my small group and I need a place to answer these questions. And one of those places that we have here at Daybreak is called Mystery Called Wellspring and it helps you answer some of those questions and invite God into that space to reveal his heart in that situation. So I just want you to watch a little promotional video that tells you a little about who Wellspring is, and if you're a place where you're stuck and you're seeking that, maybe Wellspring can be helpful to you. You need just write Wellspring on your card advance. I'm going to follow up. Let's take a look. The
1: truth is that God is always speaking to us, but we are often distracted and even discouraged from taking time to slow down and listen, and yet deep down something feels unsettled inside of you. Words like chaos, stuck, or numb might describe your interior life. Where can you go to find the peace and clarity that God promises? Does an hour of quiet sound appealing? Would it be helpful to explore if there are lies that you have believed, sometimes unknowingly, that are keeping you from fully experiencing the freedom that God offers? Is there a lament deep down inside that needs expressed? The Wellspring Center is an environment that encourages stillness. Volunteers at Wellspring can help you unravel distorted beliefs that prevent you from experiencing the joy and freedom God promises. Whatever your situation, they will help you sit in God's presence and discern His voice above all others. This world can get loud, but God still speaks in the quiet. Be still and know that I am God.
2: I was needing to make some very difficult decisions, not wanting to proceed until I had heard clearly from Him but finding it challenging to break away from my daily responsibilities long enough to just still my heart and try to hear from Him. I called and made my first appointment at Wellspring uh, to try to carve out some time to just be still before God and um, pray and listen and try to hear from Him on some decisions that I needed to make.
0: And then when I came out and saw how down to earth it was, you know, a little cabin in the woods, comfortable chairs, small rooms. It was it was just the setting that I needed to feel comfortable in and really kind of talk about where I was coming from and uh, more importantly to listen. Everything else in here, you have a bunch of wonderful volunteers willing and eager to uh, devote their time and energies to helping you hear God's voice.
1: And it's very confidential. And when you get here, you just really don't want to leave because you feel such love and warmth and uh it's just a place that's comforting.
0: You can come here and feel safe. Um, you don't have to worry um, about or what you say or what you experience there to be, um, you know, talked about outside of uh, outside of the session. And the uh, the people are are very helpful in, in helping you hear God. Um, it's not something that's that's weird or. Or only for a few uh, select
2: people. It's, um, you know, anyone can hear God and they just walk you through the
0: process, um, um, allow you to uh, really get into that place where um, you can hear His voice. When I first started coming to Wellspring, my intention was to get away from the busyness of life and have a place that I could focus and hear God's voice. And I feel that Wellspring really helps people to be able to slow down and take their focus off of themselves and what's happening around them. It's, the atmosphere is very relaxing and peaceful and quiet. Um, it's not stressful. They don't ask you questions or try to, to uh, counsel you. It's more, it's between you and God.
2: I ended up going um, three times and it was just amazing each time God was speaking so clearly to me.
0: We all need environments where we can seek the heart of God and ask good questions. And that's just one of them. So if, you're, if you feel like, you know, that, I identify with some of that and I could use that, just write it in your cards and we'll get back to you and give you some information on it. Um, but you need those environments in your life. You need the places where you can seek God because we don't pray for wisdom. and We don't pray because we think we should. We pray because we want God's divine love because God is wooing us and he's pursuing us and he desires something for us. And that's where God meets us in prayer is when we're willing to pray for wisdom in that moment when we need it, when we go, God, I, I need you and I need your heart for this situation. And God desires to be there with you in it. And so, I, so the first place, the first source of wisdom that when we pray for wisdom is to seek God's heart. So reveal your heart, God. Show me your heart. Be that source for me. And the second place that we find and discover this is when we ask God to reveal his goodness to see beyond our circumstance. And This is what Paul's prayer continues on, is to say it's not just that you need to reveal God's heart for your situation, it's that you need God's perspective, his goodness, to help you see beyond where you're at. Because often when you're in a difficult time and a hard situation, it is hard to see beyond where you are. It's like being in the valley and trying to see over the mountain. You're like, I don't know what comes back. In the middle of your circumstance, you're like, I don't know if there's a new way. And you need God's perspective on that. Life is seldom just lived in the hammock. It's lived in real life, and real life is much more difficult. And so that's why Paul's prayer goes from just, hey, I want the spirit of revelation so that you can know God better, but I also want you to know the spirit of wisdom, and this is where he picks up in verse 18, so that I can pray that your eyes of your heart, when you have that spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope that he has called you to. The riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people, and the incomparably great power for those who believe. So Paul's got this perspective, and um, he's asking for the Ephesians. I know that you guys have been through some tough stuff. I want your heart to be enlightened so that you can, your eyes to be enlightened so you can see what you can't see. Now I think part of this for us strikes a chord because we're tempted to create a scenario for ourselves especially in the hammock of a fairy tale world. We're like life is pain free. We're like yeah, no life is great and it's going to be pain free and we think that life should just be awesome and not have any problems. And and probably more than not you you know real life's not really like that. Like you know that in life there are real problems, that there are things that you have to deal with that you're like, man, this is, this is so hard. And if you've grown up in the church, you've probably heard and had some questionable theology. And here's what it is. You've probably heard this statement before. Well, God does everything for a reason. Like, you know, like in that place where you're in and it's a really difficult time and someone says to you, like, well, God's got his reasons. And it's just not helpful. It's not helpful theology at all. And, and in fact, if you follow that theology, here's what happens. When you're in a really difficult circumstance, when things have happened around you and they've caused you pain, what does that theology teach you? Well, God's out to get you. God is causing you all of that pain to teach you something or to force you to grow or to Now, I'm not saying that there aren't places in our life that God invites us to that are difficult and that we grow from them. But God is not the cause of that pain. I mean, if you read the Gospels, and Jesus says, I am the image of the invisible God. So if you read the Gospels, do you ever see Jesus being the cause of pain in someone's life, trying to bring hard circumstances into someone's life? So here's what I would say that's probably a better theology. God is not the source of our pain. More often than not, you're probably not the source of our pain. Now, there are times, right, where we do it to ourselves. We stick our finger in the cigarette lighter and we're like, ow, bad decision. But often we are not the source of our pain. The Garden of Eden is the source of our pain. The place where humanity said, God, we don't need you, I'm going off our own way. The place where humanity broke off to try to do things our own way. And the world became broken. And now we live in a broken world. And Jesus came to redeem that broken world. But we live in a broken world. And if you think Paul had a different theology, then let me remind you that this letter that Paul was writing was not from a resort in Tahiti. It was from a jail cell. This was the second or third or fourth time being in a jail cell. He was on his tour. Like, things happened to Paul. He was beaten. He was almost dead. Died in multiple situations. Paul had no fairy tale about the way life was going to be. Sometimes we think it's something else, and we think, but you know, we pray for wisdom, and we're like, "God, help me to walk the right path that's safe and doesn't have any pain and is great." Maybe it's not about the path that you walk, but rather how you walk the path. Sometimes. Life has a path that you're walking and things happen in it. And it's not about the path you walk that you need wisdom for. It's about how you walk the path that you need wisdom. It's about how we choose to respond in those moments when things come our way to say, God, will you show me your goodness in this moment that something happened and it is not making my life easier, but I need your goodness. I need to see. Instead of living in the what-ifs for later... I need to live in the what now, because God is brokenhearted with you, and God is walking with you. Now, as as kids, we grow up, and um, you know, we love the daytime, but the nighttime is always a little scary for us. You know, when we can't see. And I I grew up in the in a very rural place where there were no lights, so it was when it got dark, it was dark. And one of my jobs, one of my chores as a kid was to take like all the leftover food that we weren't going to use again or the stuff we had cut up, whatever, and we had to take it out of the house and take it, I'd take it back to the woods and throw it out into the woods and then make my way back to the house. Now, those of you who were used to be children, you know that as soon as you let go of whatever's on that plate, whatever has been stalking you the entire time out is going to eat you the moment that you're done with that job. So you know that you got to turn and sprint all the way back to my house. My mother lost a lot of plates that way. I just, (laughs) off I went. Every day ends with night. And if we're not careful, even as adults, we begin to think that way. Like, oh, the day is great, but when's the next shoe going to drop? When's the next bad thing going to happen? And when the night comes, we're not sure that there's going to be day. All we're thinking about is the next night, and the next night, and the next night. But after night always follows day. There's always light. There's always God's goodness that returns to us. And God wants to be good to us. And that's what he's inviting us to. Not rainbows and unicorns. That's not what Paul's saying to pray for. He was from a jail so He doesn't say, hey, this is about rainbows and unicorns. Your life's going to be great. This is about hope. And hope is not the basis of nirvana. It's the basis of our faith. Hope is this place where God helps us discover his goodness. Hope is in the person of Jesus. Hope is in the power of the resurrection of Jesus that has never happened before and it never happened since that someone has been resurrected after they've been dead for three days. Hope is in the place of heaven and what's to come. Hope is that what is will not always be. That God's goodness will come on the other side. Of it. So there are places in our life where we just have to go, mm, what's that going to help? How am I going to deal with that? You know, I, I was at the beach for a few days um, this past week. Um, we just had a short window to get there. And so um, I, I was just like, man, I've had so much drama in my life, right? I just want to go to the beach and sit at the ocean, no drama. Just me and the waves and some fun and no drama. So we get this phone call at the beach that the people were watching our dog, a dog attacked our dog, right? So now there's drama. Like, what are we going to do? There's a puncture hole in his neck. And now, some of you know how I feel about Rat Dog anyway. And so <laughs> I do like him. My wife is like, you like him more than you talk about you like him. I'm like, yeah, like, an, like a comfortable pair of old sneakers, right? Like a, you know, anyway. So, so, so we got all this drama. Now, there was a season in my life where I'd just been like, i just been angry. Right? I just... God, I just wanted three days at the beach without drama. I've had all this drama in a pastor. Got, I know everybody else's drama. I just want three days to disconnect from the drama. And I got all this drama. So I had a choice. My choice is how am I going to respond? Am I going to choose to sulk and be frustrated and be angry at the person and the situation that came? Or am I just going to say, hey, you know what? It's just something that happened." So let me bless you and thank you for taking care of the dog. Sorry that that happened. Thank you for taking him to the vet. Thanks, like, you can stop now. It's okay. He'll survive. Don't worry. He doesn't have to go to a dog psychologist for the emotional trauma. Like, we'll be home. And so, and then I was able to just be present at the beach. again. Thankful that God had someone that took care of her dog in that situation. Thankful to still be with my kids. Thankful that we could have a conversation about it. Or I could miss all God's good and sin. And in difficult seasons, that's what it feels like. It's like this opportunity for God to reshape us and to be with us. But we can only happen if we don't live in the what-ifs. We just live in now. Just be present with God and just it's, it's, here's what's helped me. It's instead of, I used to come at life with a lot of expectations, right? Like it needs to go this way to be great. And I've learned, especially as I've gotten older, how little control I have over those expectations. And then I'd be all upset about that. So now I just try to approach life expectantly and say, God, how are you going to be with me on this path that I'm on? How am I going to walk with you on this path that I'm on? Because the path is what it is. I can't necessarily change the path, but I can affect how I walk the path and how I walk with you in the path and how you're with me in the path. And those are the places that God changes us and gives us wisdom. How do I pray for wisdom? I seek God's heart. How do I pray for wisdom? I say, God, give me perspective on your goodness in this situation and what's now so that I can see beyond it to what might be. God proves that to us over and over and gives us hope. And then lastly, Paul begins to pray his prayer. And he he says, don't just pray for God to reveal his heart. Don't just pray for answers. Pray for God. Don't just pray that God will help you see beyond today and give his goodness. Pray for the powerful presence of Christ. Ask for the powerful presence of Christ in your life. And so let's talk about how do we ask God to reveal the powerful presence of Christ in our life. And that's your third point today is asking God to reveal that powerful presence. Now, what is that about? See, wisdom is something that we look for answers in. But what we need to do is have God give us this new perspective. And moreover, more than we need answers, we need the power to live them out. Don't we? We need the power and the courage to live them out, to do what the wisdom dictates that we should, that in, God invites us to, to be able to respond to it. So here's, here's Paul's prayer to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 to 23. The power, in other words, the power that you need, the power that I'm praying for in the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might see beyond your circumstance, That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms. The the word, that power that he raises there is the same Greek root as dynamite. Like, this is not like, oh, there's a bit of power, like I have some horsepower in my car. This is like explosive power. This is like at the end of the Gospels when Jesus, the, the author records that when Jesus died on the cross... The ground shook. The night turned. The curtain of the temple was ripped. People who were dead came back to life. Kind of power that's available to you. This is the power that he says. Like when Christ was raised from the dead, he did wasn't just resuscitated. He actually paid for all the sin and shame in your life. Went through hell for you and was re- raised from the dead and resurrected in a new body. And this is the power that is available to you. And it says that far above, he was put in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and all authority and all power and dominion under every name that is invoked. That little phrase, every name that is invoked, is about, like, back then it was about every name, like, if you knew the name of a god, there was a polytheistic society in the Roman culture with lots of gods. If you knew the name of the god, you had power to invoke that god's name to give you power over something. Now, today we don't, necessarily live in a polytheistic society like then, but we still invoke the name of stuff. The government, the whatever that your employer, like we you want to invoke the name, well I'm I'm doing this under this power, I'm going to rely on this power, I'm going to rely on that power to see me through. I'm going to get a lawyer, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. There's nothing wrong with those places but what Paul says is that there is a power available to you that is greater than all of that. All of that is under his authority. And he sits with God now. He was raised from the dead for your sake. And all who believe in him and follow him and say, Jesus, I want you to be my forgiver. I want you to be my leader. As much as I know I want to surrender to you, he gives that power to you as his child to walk with him. According to Paul, you need that power. You don't just need wisdom. You need the power to act out wisdom, to bless your enemies when you'd rather not, to be obedient in the places that you'd rather not, to have the courage to do that thing that God's invited you to do but you're like I don't know if I want to do that you know about a month or so ago I sat with a mentor and um, I love this mentor he is he's good actually I just talked with a friend who it's also his mentor and um, and uh, we were talking about him and said you know he just has this uncanny knack to invite you into the powerful presence of Christ and it's actually very disruptive to your life you know like like he takes you from a place of, like, God being this concept, this construct, to having the power of who Christ is in your life. And Jesus is, we love, we love to think about Jesus as loving, and he is. We love to think about Jesus as forgiver, and he is. Sometimes we forget just how disruptive the real person of God on the earth is to our lives. Because if he was just a concept, I could go, yeah, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't know. That's just a concept out there. But the real person of Jesus loved and lived and sacrificed and gave his life for me on the cross. He loves me so much, I can't ignore it. And so when my mentor challenges me to get into the presence of Christ, it transforms me. It changes me. It gives me new perspective. It gives me wisdom. And I can live a life that I never thought was possible. And I'm transformed by it. So I resist it. And I welcome it. And I'm learning to welcome it more and more and to say, Jesus, I just want to trust you with your presence and your power. Because there's a lot of blank spaces in our life. You have know, blank spaces in your life? A place where you're like, I don't know what to do about that. A lot of question marks. Place you're like, I wish that could change, but I, I don't know. Places place where you're going like, what am I going to do with my life? What's my career going to be? How am I going to find life again after this situation that I'm in? How will I how do I work on that? Am I supposed to repair that relationship, or am I supposed to, like, abandon it? What am I supposed to do? This opportunity that I have, am I supposed to say yes or no? All these places in our life with blanks and blank spaces and question marks, and Jesus' presence can change everything about it. Now, when you get in those places, it's tempting just to ask for wisdom, answers. And in fact, if you look back in the history of the Bible, you would discover this guy named Solomon. And when he said, God said, you can ask for anything because you're going to rule the the kingdom of Israel. I'll let you ask for anything. You know, his genie moment, right? Like, whatever you want to ask for. And so Solomon asked for wisdom to rule. He doesn't ask for power. He doesn't ask for wealth. He doesn't ask for all these other things. He asked for wisdom. But there's a lesson to be learned here if you watch Solomon's later writings in wisdom and all the things that he discovered that he was still sad. And that's this. If you ask for wisdom, you might get it. People will consider you wise. But if you ask for Jesus, you will get him. And your life will be transformed. And you will have the power to live. And the other people who are around you won't just consider you wise. They will consider you totally different and like Jesus and it will leave them transformed too. Because Sometimes we think that Jesus just left us stories, writings in the Scripture. Jesus did not leave us writings. Jesus left us himself, his person available to us. This is Paul's prayer, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation might be available to you, that the person of Christ might become alive in you, that the living Christ. We don't worship someone who's dead. We worship someone who's alive at the right hand of God and available for your life. As the source of wisdom and power to live, and we all hit spaces in our life where we're like, I, "How's this going to work out? What do I do with the situation?" And um, some of you know, recently my dad died, and um, I had to walk through that situation in the hospital, and uh, uh, the Elden is preaching over at the other campus, and when we were talking and collaborating on the message, I was telling him about my situation there and what it was like to experience the power of Christ in that situation. So will you will you record that so I can show it? It's so powerful to hear how God was moving in those moments. And so I did, and then the video editors edited it, and I realized I'll probably just have snot rockets for you if I try to actually say it. So we're going to watch it so that we can talk about it You can hear a little bit of my story in that situation. Let's watch. Fifteen years ago, my dad's health started to decline. And uh, within the last year... Uh, The slope got really steep, and uh, he wasn't doing well at all. He was in the hospital about once a month, sometimes more than that. And I got to spend a lot of time with my dad in the hospital. And at one point, over the last, about nine months ago or so, he started to say things like, I really just want Jesus to take me home. I just want to go to heaven. I just It's so hard here. Life is so hard here. And I remember at one point just sitting with him and praying with him about that and talking to him about that and saying, Dad, I I want to agree with you in that prayer. I want to pray for Jesus' homecoming for you. But for me to do that, I need to know that you will live each day here like God's still got purpose for you here, like there are still things and reasons that God has you here. And if you'll do that, I'll, I'll pray that prayer with you. Well, Memorial Day weekend, God answered he and I's prayer that God would take him home. And uh, I got to go into the hospital and talk to him that, about that, that God was answering that prayer that weekend. Um, as the doctors told us, he's probably not going to make it through this weekend. And on that Saturday, people came in to say their goodbyes. And I sat there watching as people came in and talked to my dad about the legacy he left. You know, my brother and I talked to him about how he taught us how to love our wives. And uh, neighbors coming in and talking about his generosity and talking about how much they loved him and how much he loved them. And over and over, I saw this legacy that he left with people. Sometimes, I, as I think about that, and I thought about what I was overwhelmed with, which in that room at that time wasn't losing my dad. What I was overwhelmed with was the presence of Christ in the room with us. That it wasn't just us, that he was present there, and there, his presence of his love and his goodness all there in that room in those moments I'm so thankful for that I think sometimes our life seems really harsh and we just want to get through it but in that hospital room that weekend I learned that you have to live every day and be present in the moments that God gives you because you don't know how long you have and you have to live like eternity is your home that's where you're going to spend your time But that the here and now, this is a short window that you get to leave a legacy, that you get to be about what God's about. And that creates the best eternity of all. Filled with a lot of blank spaces and question marks, and you you don't even know what to pray for. And I wanted to pray for a lot of things that weekend, but I was going to lose my dad. He was going to go to heaven. What I was left with is to ask for Christ's presence in our midst. What I was left to ask for is Christ to come and be with us. And that was powerful. And that I wouldn't trade for anything. And that I want to tell you that if you'll ask, and all you got to do is ask, and He will be present with you. And it will change everything about your situation. Some of you have been in those situations where things haven't gone the way you hoped or wanted. Or desired. And you know that you can't change them. And that can feel pretty hopeless. And you can be a person like I've been in my life before of like when things don't go your way that person that people look at and like wow they're really freaked out. <laughs> you know? They're really distressed. <laughs> they're living in all the what ifs and trying to work so hard to control everything. Or You can be the person who leans into Jesus. He says, Come and be present with me. I can't control this, but I want you to be present with me. I don't know what to do, but I know that if you're here, and I'm watching for you, it'll be better. I know that you'll help me see what I can't see. And I'll be in your presence. And this is what God invites us to not to be wrecked by life. This is not what a Jesus follower is about. To be wrecked by everything that happens and goes wrong in your life because we have the hope of heaven. Because we have the power of the resurrection. Because no matter what happens to us in life, God promises to be there with us and for us. And if if you'll settle yourself long enough to watch for him, you'll have the presence of Christ. And it will give you peace beyond your understanding. And this is a gift that every one of us needs when it comes to wisdom. So I want to take a moment and pray for you. and pray that God will give you wisdom. and pray that this summer, when you take that time out and that you will, to be alone with your own thoughts, I know it's hard. Sometimes you're like, "I don't even want to think about this. I just want to be busy." But I'm going to pray that you'll take the time out in the hammock, to be alone with your own thoughts and to let God visit you. And I know that that might seem kind of mysterious because it is. I mean, he is the transcendent God of the universe who created all things, and we're all in him. He's not, God is not in everything. Everything is in God. So yeah, he's bigger than you, and he's mysterious. But he's also tangible. The spirit of wisdom and revelation, God be real to me. God change me. These are tangible ways that God visits us. If we'll collaborate with the environments he puts. Lord Jesus, I pray that this summer you would help us to rest with you. That you'd help us to see the hammock as a place that represents silence and solitude, but not aloneness. That it would be a time that would not be a waste of our time, but rather entrusting our time to you. Help us to seek wisdom, but not the answers. Help us to seek the questions that help us know your heart. Help us to seek your goodness, and slow down enough to say, God, just help me to see beyond now of not just what is, but what will be and what could be. Help me to rely on your promises. And Jesus, more than anything, will you be present with us in every circumstance that we're in. May we never walk it alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do I pray for wisdom? Well, I think Eugene Peterson, who Translated a version of the Bible called the Message, sums it up best, he says, "The question is not primarily, what do I do?" but rather, what has the Holy Spirit been doing in me all of these years and doing still?" So I want to invite you to consider, what is the Holy Spirit still doing in you? What's he been doing? What's he still doing? What is he inviting you to in the place that you find yourself in life? You pull out this response card. It's in your program guide today. This is kind of your altar moment. This is kind of your moment with Jesus to say, let me sum up some things. Let me ask for a prayer or just take some time to have a personal reflection right now and not just leave today and not have a moment of wisdom with God, a moment in his presence to be inspired. So I just want you to take a few minutes. We'd love to pray for you, but I'd love for you to reflect. What's God calling you to this Sunday? Are you willing to be a person who just says, "I'm God, I just want to sit and not seek answers. I want to seek you. I want to ask questions. Help me seek you because you are the source of wisdom. And then wait for you to teach me how to walk.
2: For your nearness, Lord, I hunger, for your nearness, Lord, I wait. Hold me ever closer, Father, with such a love I can't escape. Closer to your heart. God, that's where we desire to be. So would you help us? We can't do this journey on our own. Help us, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this last song together? Nothing for me. This life is not my own. I know you go before me, and I am not alone. This mountain.